tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Are you ready to get your mind blown? Good morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tinfall Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Join me as always, Xavier Guerrero and Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard. Woo! Uh, he's also sitting in right now. I'm going to introduce him again with the guest, but Tino Sanchez and his pit ball. Oh boy, <laughs> thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for not speaking into the microphone. Ah, uh, guys, big show today. Big, big show. We go deep into climate change with uh, Alex Epstein. It's a really great conversation. Guys, you have to go to samtribly.com and check out our ticket link. All right. We're going to have a couple tickets on there. We're going to have uh, our Calusa Casino Resort show is this Friday night. When this comes out, it'll be tomorrow. Uh, this Friday night, tomorrow night, we're there. Eddie Bravo, Xavier Guerrero, myself. And then the next night, Fresno, Full Circle Brewery. <laughs> Full Circle Brewery, okay? Uh, at the moment of this recording, there was eight. there is 18 tickets left to the first show and about 40 tickets available to the second show. So if you buy a combo, grab, if you want to go to both, grab your combo tickets now. Again, at samtriplee.com. And then, and then, December 14th is the final, final comedy chaos. And we got a murder lineup with you for you. We got Bobby Lee. We got Andrew Santino. We got Whitney Cummings. We got Ian Edwards. We got Mike Binder in the first show. Second show, Eddie Bravo, Matt Rath, Kurt Metzger, Jimmy Dore, and Eleanor Kerrigan, you plus wanna, Sweet Sammy T. You want to end the you want to end the year with the fucking bang, dude? bang, dude, God damn, bang, bangers, man. And that is live. Go check that out at that link is up at samtriplee.com. And then premium content at Rockfin for all of your needs. It's ten dollars for all of your every show, and I have five, four shows on there. Uh, plus Xavier has one, I have one, and then uh, for the final thing check out cash daddy's uh uh patreon patreon.com slash cash daddies and then finally wise wolf gold and silver big sponsor of the show go on there join their program get gold and silver every day anything else guys uh go to eventbrite we got uh, limited tickets for december 10th a post pizza live show me we don't smoke the same and steptone showing up so we'll get your tickets at eventbrite.com eventbrite.com anything johnny we've got a new broken simulation dropping end of the week friday friday go check it out broken sim it's the number one it's a grand theft auto podcasting all right before we go uh, get to the show. I want to tell you we have a very exclusive, a uh, limited edition Christmas T-shirt 
That's right, Tinfoil Hat Podcast, Mushroom Santa is available now at tinfoilhattshirts.com or just go to Sam Tripoli again, click the tinfoilhattshirt.com link and grab those because once Christmas is done, those shirts are done. Enjoy the show. We go deep, homeboy. Aaron, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of Okay, let's get into it. Uh, very excited for today's show. Uh, w- this is a topic I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. We've had a couple episodes on climate change and all that stuff, but I think this topic is a big part of that. He's got two books out. Uh, one is called, let me see this one, Fossil Future, and the other one is called A Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. Please welcome Alex Epstein. How are you, brother? Hey, good to be here. Thanks. Good to be here in person. I'm glad we made that happen. I'm glad we made that happen, too. And also joining us, uh, he actually turned me on to your book, and he was telling me all about it. And uh, it's really fun to walk around with Tino when we're at like some comedy festival, and people are like, hey, I love Tim Fall High. He's like, hey, I'm Tino Sanchez. Like, I did that once, No, dude. you did that like three <laughs> times. Please don't Tino Sanchez. It was hilarious. Do you, remember, do you remember me from the show? Yeah, but I... I was joking. You just made it sound like I was sitting there like XG going, hey, can I fly you in for the night? Uh, <laughs> you were doing that's that funny. at the you were doing that at the commune fucking comedy place we're doing that. Where? Yeah, I was oh, joking. Okay. I said, Hey, by the way, you know Tino? Yeah, I was joking. <laughs> no, I was at yeah. a skank fest. No, by you... the way, I got my fucking skank fest underwear on. Have you tried oh, those? No, I I do. They're not. super fucking Okay, sorry. Usually oh. you usually he pulls the I kicked the guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that video's yeah. That, going viral go-to. right oh, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That video's going viral again. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I, um, I kicked a heck. Alex, <laughs> thanks for coming on. Uh, I'm very excited to talk to you, and you know, it's a very interesting topic <clears throat> because it's one of those topics where it's like, and we've d- we've done a couple of these recently, and it's just like where there's a mainstream narrative, and then there's like what the facts say, and I feel like fossil fuel is a great example of that in my humble opinion that it's like we're told one thing when it's really another thing so before we get into all that can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and where where they can find you sure yeah so i mean i actually part of my background is relevant here because like i was a philosopher who became an energy expert and we'll talk about it but i think i think the way we think about fossil fuels it's pretty easy to see it doesn't make any sense and just to quickly say like two things about the climate issue one is we talk about climate change which is an alleged negative side effect of fossil fuels but notice we almost never talk about the benefits of fossil fuels so that would be insane if you were thinking about a prescription drug you know you only think about the negative side effects not the benefits yet it's been super commonplace for decades to talk about fossil fuels negatives but not talk about say hey they make it possible for eight billion people to be fed because they provide the fertilizer and they provide the diesel fuel and we're seeing now we have a an energy crisis because people were ignoring uh, the benefits. And then the second thing is we have this assumption that climate change, which really means man-made climate change, must be bad and it must be terrible. But that's a really weird assumption. Like why the fact that we did it makes it bad. And so as a philosopher, part of what motivated me to get into this is I saw there was this obvious ignoring of one half of the issue and turns out to be more than one half because the benefits are way more significant than any negatives. And then two, there is this clearly, in my view, anti-human bias where we assume that if we're impacting the climate, it must be bad. And I was really interested in what happens if you look at this, if you look at the full picture or the full context, you look at benefits and side effects and you don't have this anti-human bias. And I think that gets you 
then it's actually pretty obvious fossil fuels are good and we should use more of them. So I have I kind of have a very contrary position, but I think it's actually very common sense if you step back and think, hey, how do we think about this? Uh, I'm very much aligned with that as well. That is the whole purpose of this show. You know, when I started this show, nobody wanted to do a show called Tim Foil Hat because, you know, it's such a demonized term, but I used it on purpose. And the whole point of this show is that, you know, it's like, I just don't like getting lied to. And I just, over time, you would start watching like what the narrative was on the media versus what, like, let's say the streets were like talking about and, what, and that how they weren't aligning. And that, that thing always interests me, that discussion. And the more and more I discussed about it. So I, I'm sure this book is a couple of your first book's a couple of years old. And, you know, now you wrote a second book. Yeah, this you, one actually replaces it. So this this one is just an artifact. Nobody needs to get it anymore. Okay, you can just get this one. <laughs> Throw that out. No, only kidding. So we have the, you have the, your second book, which is the book to get. And is it just more detailed, or is there a different thought in the first one? Yeah, the first the sec this one is a I think of it as a replacement. So it's like the difference between an iPhone 10 and the original iPhone. There is about, honestly, there's about 1% of the material in here that is not in here. So if you are really fascinated by me and want to know everything I've ever thought, make sure to read chapter eight of the first book because it has a couple things in it. I already, I already used way more words in this one than the publisher thought was <laughs> advisable. So I had to, I had to stop somewhere. Uh, what, is there a number they tell you? We'd like you to be around 50,000 or whatever. Well, the they, you sort of, you have a contract that says, Estimated between eighty and ninety thousand, and so it's one hundred thirty-five thousand. Damn. Well, yeah. But but you know what we've seen is there are books this length or even longer that do really well. So for example, uh, we were talking about him in advance. My buddy Michael Schellenberger, who's been on Rogan a couple of times and ran unfortunately unsuccessfully for governor of California, he has a book called Apocalypse Never. That's about the same. Is he length. the Republican guy that was running? No, 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 no. He was an. He ran as an independent, okay. and so he lost in the him. primary. It's very, very hard to run yeah. as an independent. Yeah, and uh, I think his his candidacy proved that because he has a lot of mainstream appeal. He got a lot of exposure, and still got very few votes. You know, even relative to the main Republican, whom nobody knew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nobody knew, and and Newsom didn't do well with running against a ghost which was the Republican, like, to this day, nobody can name who the guy was. Yeah. Nobody could. Yeah. I go, what's That's his right. name? Right. Uh, nobody knew, which makes me wonder, how is that possible? Well, because it's the media because it's considered, I mean, it's, it's understandably considered a losing proposition. So if yeah. you say, hey, do you want to run for governor, and you are absolutely, as a Republican, and you think you're absolutely guaranteed to lose, there's a limited universe of people who want to do that. Right. But the guy who assumes that role of I'm going to lose probably, right? Did, will you lose me on this? I feel like you got... Um, You're libertarian, right? Because the, the Wikipedia, is it correct? Liber uh, Cato, uh, Ayn Rand, all that? Yeah, yeah. So technically it would be like objectivist is the, the yeah, philosophical yeah. term. And then libertarian is kind of a sloppy term because yeah. I'm, I'm pro having a good military. So right. I'm not right. anti-government, but I'm pro very limited. It's very government. interesting. I hear you. But the exactly. guy who picked to be Republican picked knowing he was going to lose and still nobody talked about him. nobody even in the end i saw nobody in the independent media talking about him so do you know his name i don't know his name <laughs> i think it's brian dolly yeah i mean like how crazy is that that makes me wonder why nobody talked about it. even though if it's a losing thing why why did everyone know larry elders but not know this guy 
in any way. Even though he had debate, nobody knew who he was. It's interesting. And it goes, how deep does this go? Which is along the lines of what we're talking about here. The, you know, the, this show we've always talked about how, like, everything is this kind of long plan, right? This long plan to kind of set up a way of thinking. And for me, man, uh, we've they've slowly, slowly corralled us into these big cities, right? We got these huge cities, and, and a lot of our tastemakers live in these big cities. Very rarely do you see a tastemaker who lives in a very tiny town. It happens here and there, but for the most part, it's people in big cities, mostly New York, L.A., used to be San Francisco, not so much, but maybe a Miami here and there, but they're all big cities, right? So when you live in this big city, you think everywhere is big city. And then you start talking about things like overpopulation and all these things that lead people to believe in climate change. You know, they mistake, in my humble opinion, pollution for climate change. I mean, I've been to China. I've hmm. You go there, you breathe in, you feel little daggers going down your throat because you're getting used to the pollution that is in there. And I know you address pollution and what that represents uh, but it's like people mistake those two. So it's very easy to think there's too many of us when you're stuck, you're on the 405 and there's uh, eight lanes and they're all packed and you're like, there's just too many of us. And you're like, well, there's too many of us right here. You know, <laughs> go to go to Montana, go to Nebraska, Iowa. It's it's empty. It's empty. Just drive from Vegas to L.A. Yeah, That's it's it. empty. Yeah. just did. There's 80 miles from here to Phoenix that has nothing. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get gas before that 80 miles and you run out, you're fucked. And they got a whole system set up to tow you for a billion dollars to charge you a million dollars gas. So there's interesting things going on. So, I mean, I think kind of a lot of people have the sense with narratives that like there's something wrong with you know, what's being communicated. And I think there's one category, which is kind of the most obvious category of facts are being distorted. So the institutions we're relying on to tell us like, what is the truth about the world are somehow distorting things. So, you know, something like 97% of climate scientists agree that we face climate catastrophe. Like this is not true at all if you look into the the journalism of the it. The 97 fabrication. Yeah, so it's it's got this now it's it's a distortion because in a sense 97% agree that we have some impact, but that's totally different than catastrophe. So and then I think but my view is there are a lot of these factual distortions, but actually what often happens more is is Two things, at least one is just thinking distortion. So I mentioned ignoring benefits and only paying attention to side effects. So that's a huge one, right? Because if we've gotten, the, the culture has gotten everyone to look at fossil fuels and ignore the benefits. And so, so many people think, oh, it's free. Like it's free to lose fossil fuels. This was really a mainstream view and not just among dumb people, among smart people. You could smart people saying, hey, let's get off fossil fuels as quickly as possible. They didn't think of any downside to that, even though it was obvious. If you could mm. So one kind of, when you see things going wrong, one thing is to think about like, what's, what's going wrong with the thinking? Like even if people have the facts right, if you're thinking about it wrong, you'll ignore certain crucial facts. And then another thing which relates to narratives and population is what assumptions are people? operating under. And this often relates to mental models. So you have the mental model of the earth like has too many people. And it's usually related to the earth has a very limited pool of resources. 
And that's like a mental model that I call it part of the delicate nurturer model where the earth is this nurturing thing, but it only gives us a limited amount of resources. And so the idea is, you know, if it's like it gives us a pizza and then we're if there are too many of us, we eat the pizza and then we have to eat the box and then there's nothing left. It's like that model of resources. And this turns out to be a totally false model of resources. So if you look at resources, resources are just raw matter and energy shaped by us. So like coal, oil, gas, aluminum, these are not natural resources, right? They were totally useless to our pretty recent ancestors. They're man-made resources. We, we created value where there's nothing. And as long as we're free to create, we can turn basically anything into a resource. But if you have the resource creation model, you don't become afraid of overpopulation. But if you have the resource, like nature gives us finite resources, then you become afraid of it. And with so many things, people have mental models and thinking methods that they don't question. And in particular, when the people you're told are experts have thinking methods and mental models, it's so common to just say, well, I can't question that. But but in both of the cases I'm mentioning, the models they're using are, the thinking is obviously wrong and the models are obviously wrong. And anyone with common sense can know the way we're thinking about resources doesn't make any sense because otherwise the caveman would have been awash in resources and we would have none because we have 8 billion people. And it's the opposite, right? We're 8 billion people with rich riches compared to the caveman. Uh, I, I think you're totally right. I, I think you can make anything you can make anything seem like it's happening based on what highlights, what pattern you highlight. You could see that happen all the time. That's a big stuff that we've studied on this forever. You could, you can make by, I, what was it? Oh man, I did it with Brian Callen. P dotting it's called. I believe it's called P dotting. And it's basically where they cherry pick the the data that they're going to highlight for you and they do that a lot p hacking p hacking there we go p hacking and it's uh, we're going to highlight this certain data and we're going to show you this data and we're going to present it as it's all the data and the only important data when there's probably a lot more data on that's a perfect example of just like the the data you're they're presenting could be a fact right they could be presenting you facts but they're distorting because they're they're presenting a distorted picture of what the full picture, and one example is climate deaths. Like, you'll see, oh, this person died of climate in Pakistan, and this person died here. And you get the impression that, well, we have way more deaths from climate. I mean, I certainly thought that before I investigated. It's actually very clearly documented. We have a 98% decline in deaths from climate disasters in the last 100 years. So, wow. so a typical person is 150th as likely to die from a storm, flood. But you would never know that, right? Because uh, whenever someone... That's what climate someone, death is, like natural catastrophe, stuff like that. Right, right. But part of it is how it's the danger there's a huge amount of danger naturally but if we mm. if we have the ability to master that danger right if you build sturdy buildings and you irrigate places with drought and you move crops from places that have crops to places that are drought stricken you know you save millions and millions of lives right. a year but the picture we're given again you could just the news could if it you know, what do we have? Like in a given year, we might have 10 or 20,000 climate deaths globally, climate disaster deaths. Think about that, how few that is relative to yeah. other things. But the media could just highlight a hundred of them and act like it's the apocalypse and act like a hundred years ago is paradise, even though you often had millions of climate deaths. It's, it's, you have to be so aware of this dynamic that particularly with journalism, that like, as soon as journalism is trying to show you trends, there is infinite 
room for manipulation. Like journalism's job is really to just to kind of be your eyes and ears on the ground. But when they're documenting trends, you have to be really worried because most of these people have no clue of what the trends are. And if they're trying to show trends, it's often an agenda. They're trying to manipulate you by saying, hey, look, this person died in Pakistan. This is happening everywhere. And it's never been this bad. It's It's not journalism. It's activism. The corporate press is is all activism. They have a narrative. Um, Yeah, that's crazy. And it seems like it's more than ever. But I think it's always been like that. We just, we tended to not align more with corporations Early on, you know, we we tended to our views and their views lined up a lot. And now for some reason, we're in this kind of thing where what corporations want and what the people want seem to be two different things. Am I breaking up? Yeah, or yeah, my you're unplugging it. Okay. I, I mean, I'm not touching it, but <clears throat> yeah, yeah, um, the interesting thing is that if we go. So supposedly we're killing the planet with fossil fuels. And you said 98% drop in de- in any kind of global warming deaths or anything. Or not warming, but climate deaths. Yeah, climate disaster deaths. Climate deaths. <clears throat> so the thing is, is like by their models, by their science since the 70s and before, they predicted, you know, that there'd yeah. be a billion people dead by 2020, that uh, the UK would be, a, you know, an uninhabitable island. And then what the thing has is that if we use more fossil fuels, but we've doubled fossil fuel and the the negative has gone down so it's it's like life has become better life has flourished but we're doing way more fossil fuels i keep using it i think it's a misnomer you're using a lot of air quotes too yeah anyway it's um. it's like this it's like that it's like a peace a fiery but peaceful protest they're asking us not to believe our eyes and then they're saying oh look over here but but look how good life has been. Well, but part of it is, is it's not your eye. I mean, the peaceful protest thing is sort of you can invalidate it by looking at the current events. But like climate, like climate and energy, those are long term trends that people really have to study. And one of the this, like there's this term now climate journalist, which is a ridiculous term. Because like, a journalist is really somebody who's reporting on concrete events. It's like, hey, something happened at Congress today. I can't be there. So I need to know. Yeah. They need to be my eyes and ears. But it's a, it's it's properly a very perceptual medium where right. they're just really there looking at things for you. But what they've done, I think, in part because they want activism uh, effect, is they, they deal with, like, studying trends. They act like they're scholars. Yeah. But, but they're not. But they – and so what they often do is, that, as I said, they'll take – They'll just take a concrete story and act like it's representative and then make a generalization that's false. So people, almost everyone thinks climate is far more dangerous to human beings than it used to be. Almost everybody, Mm -hmm. including most free market Mm -hmm. people, is just totally false. Uh, But but these climate journalists have just, they've ignored the big picture. And... uh, so again, even if their ex- their facts that they're stating about the specific events are correct, their narrative is false, mm. and they're highlighting certain things. They're not showing you the other side, and that used to be a big part of the media. And Ronald Reagan, you know, the Clintons just weren't the only ones to deregulate the media. It kind of started with Ronald Reagan, and he took away. Uh, basically, it used to be that on the news you'd have to have both sides of the argument, so you would hear mm. both sides. It would be presented to you. Ronald Reagan took that away. He said, you don't need that. You basically can report however you want to report it, and that's how it goes. And that was the beginning of the deregulation of the media. And whenever you hear deregulate, Jimmy Dore talks about this, whenever you hear deregulation, right, people like, or or regulation, 
and I we're libertarians, right? I mean, uh, some people are might be on the you know on the side of anarchism and stuff like that. I'm sort of like you in that there is there is a place for uh, pure government. In in and I'll get into that, you know, I'll get into that. But you know, um, the notion that the notion that you were supposed to have one side, and then they went in and they deregulated, and then they split it in half, and you had MSNBC and you had the Fox News, and now nobody and, and with the internet, nobody gets the same information anymore. And there used to be, I don't know what happened, but there used to be an honor to being true and telling the truth. And when you didn't tell the truth. You got basically discredited and ran out of the industry. Remember what happened to Dan Rather? You know, they got that, which ended up kind of being right, that story they did. Oh, he's totally but he, right. he lost his career. Right. Because it was perceived to be false. That right. If that happened today, dude, it would, it would just be, it would be like a, a, a news cycle, and then Wait, he'd be right back. No, if Ronald Reagan, if, if, if Nixon did Watergate today, he would still be president. I believe that. He would still be president because there's no apparatus to go after him like that anymore because where they are right now with politics and we'll get back to this is that if I if I go after you and I convict you that means your side can come after me and predict me it's like that that whole saying about Tom and Jerry like Tom will never get Jerry because if Tom gets Jerry the show's over <laughs> so they always got to be chasing each other it just happens to just get away that's like politics Democrats what, and Republicans 100% hey everybody want to tell you about our friends at True Classic okay the holidays are here and there's plenty of t-shirt chair thanks to our sponsor True Classic Tees these are my favorite shirts out there they fit my bad angles really well fellas we have the perfect gift for you for your wish list okay True Classic Tees are a gift for you for her, and a great present for any guy in your life, okay? True Classic is on a mission to maximize men's confidence by making them look good. Trust me when I say that this is the gift that the ladies will appreciate too, okay? True Classic has already helped 2 million men look great in their tees, and now you can say big while you do so, okay? Get 25% off True Classic with my exclusive trueclassic.com slash tinfoil link okay and the discount doesn't stop there you'll save even more during this site-wide sale okay support our show and check them out at trueclassic.com slash tinfoil i love it i love wearing them dude you know i got bad angles i got some chi cheese in the gut and it looks really good on me their jackets are great their shirts are great look good while having bad angles in the t-shirts you just have you just look good that's what it is uh they got underwear they got socks they got you name it every color they got pants they got shorts i love it they're amazing okay and for my big fellas out there they have long options for tall guys and up the triple xl big boys big get boys. some love big boys if you're rocking a Santa bod, True Classic might be the Christmas miracle you've been waiting for, okay? So here's what I want to do. Get 25% off at trueclassic.com slash tinfoil. Free shipping included on a purchase over $100. That's 25% off trueclassic.com slash tinfoil. Santa won't be the only one slaying thanks 
to True Classic. I get what you mean there. Thank you, True Classic. <laughs> Going back to what you're talking about, about these natural resources, we, uh, you know, this show dabbles in the spiritual as well. And from very young age, we are bombarded with scarcity. <clears throat> that there's only so much of anything. There's only so much money. There's only so much food. There's only so much water. And there's only, only so much oil. I remember growing up, and the big scare was peak oil. Peak oil's coming, man. And once peak oil's here, man, who, who knows? Oh, in your book, Carter said that we would run out of it within a decade, right? Wasn't that Carter that said that? Yeah. Run out of oil? Yeah, it's interesting because there's these two strands. So one is we're going to run out of stuff. And the other is even if we don't run out of stuff, our impact is going to destroy the planet. And so you mentioned peak oil when you're younger. Now it's more the late, it's more the latter thing. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like our impact. Like it's, it's, it's really like either we're going to, the planet is going to run out of resources to give us or the planet is unable to handle the amount of our impacts. That's the climate view, right? It's not that we're exactly running out of something. It's that we're, we're sort of running into the climate and the climate is going to get mad and punish us, which is, you know, very mm. kind of, it's like a religious view, but it doesn't it doesn't pose <laughs> as a religious view. And in both cases, it's a false view of the earth, because in one case I mentioned it's the view that resources are this very fixed and limited pie versus this unlimited thing that we can create. And in the other case, it's this assumption that our our impact on the rest of nature is necessarily negative, whereas it's not necessarily negative or positive, but it's generally positive because the reason we impact nature is to benefit us. Right, so like you make a farm, you impact nature to allow yourself to grow food 100%. in a small amount of time. But that, but so so kind of in fossil future, my my basic point is that we're thinking of this issue not in a rational or pro-human way. And part of it is we have this deep assumption that human impact is bad, and that's the number one assumption. It's immoral. And it's self-destructive. So, and it, it's really, you really need to think of it as a religion. That's the best analog. Mm. So it's really as if there's one commandment, thou shalt not impact nature. And then <laughs> if you violate it, the nature God is going to punish you. Yeah. And this is really what happens with climate, right? Because people can't even see that obviously we're safer from climate. Like, just think common sense. Are you safer from climate now or a hundred years ago? That's right. Like, would you rather be in today's storms or that their storms, right? Wow. Would you rather be in today's heat waves or their heat waves? Today's cold or their... Like, it's obviously better, but everyone is blind because they have this religion that says it's if we impacted climate, that must be terrible and the climate must punish us and we won't be able to deal with it. It's like kind of a Noah's Ark type, like, punishment. It's just um, it's just like there's this huge flood that, that the climate is angry about. And it's really, it's really that kind of non-scientific because objectively again we're safer than ever and it doesn't make any sense that we're going to increase the amount of co2 in the atmosphere which in the history of this planet has been 10 times higher than it is today but somehow and doing that so far life has gotten much better we've been increasing co2 for a while life has gotten much better life expectancy yeah in part because mainly because the energy that we've gotten by emitting the co2 is so beneficial so we have machines doing all our work for us instead of manual labor like life is so good but they think the un literally tells us you know it's warmed one degree celsius but 1.5 or two the world is going to end like it makes no well, thing I I love sense. so would you say uh global warming is way better than an ice age Yes. Is it easier for us to handle a, a little bit of a uh, little uh, more heater than a colder? Randall Carlson's yes. been on the show and talked about when, when it when the planet got warmer, civilizations flourished. Right. 
mean, this is part. This shows just the scope of of the and what I call the anti-human impact bias. That it's it's been obvious to everyone throughout history that you want warmer times. Yeah. So historically, like we have times called the warmer times are called optimums. That's literally what they're named by historians of climate, like you know the Roman optimum. And it's because warmer is better. I was I was I read an article a couple of years ago. It was such a funny article because it was a scientific article and it said, you know, Earth is great, but you know, it's not perfect uh, because it would be a little bit better if the planet were three degrees Celsius warmer. And yet they didn't mention that we're destroying our whole civilization because we're afraid of it getting <laughs> one degree Celsius warmer. Well, the thing that blows me away about, and I know you don't want to do the first book. Well, but, I can talk about anything. But I book. tell people, what I told Callan, I tell everybody, I go, just read my mom, my girlfriend, just read the first chapter because of all the predictions all of the predictions, all the models that have gone wrong, and then these people are still, like that guy, Paul, what's his name? Ehrlich. At, at Stanford. It's like, look, just, if you don't believe anything, just, he's bringing receipts. Read the first chapter, all the predictions of all, we're not supposed to be here, we're supposed to be wearing gas masks because of the pollution. We're supposed to be, you know, the billion people dead from famine. I mean, just, There's how so are people much. still have their jobs? Well, how do you still have a job when you're this bad at it, at your prediction? How is Fauci still have a job? Job then mm -hmm. you know and then we're not even talking COVID we go all the way back to you know HIV and stuff mm -hmm. like that you're like how do you still have a job well, yeah. he's, he's way more, I have a lot of issues with him he's way more credible than the people in this field although with him I would say I think his main defect is this issue of, of thinking about what to do about things because with COVID it's 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 not there are a lot of dissimilarities and some similarities but one thing that I noticed and I when when the COVID pandemic started happening and lockdown started happening, I, I I was writing this book, and I was uh, I have I had a business particularly at the time where COVID was not good for me because I do a lot of, a lot of my revenue was public speaking, and then I would consult on messaging for energy companies, which energy companies are doing terribly because nobody's allowed mm. to use energy, <laughs> and you're not allowed to public speak, so it was a tough time. But I just decided I'm going to spend five or six weeks writing about COVID because I really do think there's something very wrong with how the government is using this dangerous virus to take away freedom. And one of the points I made is people are only like they're thinking about it bizarrely because they're they've decided that we should eliminate our policy should be to eliminate deaths from one virus at all costs. That was really what COVID policy was, right? right. It says like, right. whatever you think the threat of the virus is and people have very, but but the, that's really what Fauci was doing, right? He's saying like, we, all we should care about is is minimizing the deaths from this one virus. But like, if you think about that for five seconds, it doesn't make any sense. How could you say my goal is to eliminate deaths from one virus, no matter how much hardship it causes other people? And there's a kind of analog in, in climate, although the climate impact is nowhere near the danger of COVID. But um, but it's the goal is let's eliminate our climate impact at all costs, right? That's really net zero. That's what it means. Yeah. Our goal is to not impact climate, and we're willing to sacrifice everything. Yeah, I find it very interesting. And, you know, I, I look at him a little different because a lot of the stuff that he did with COVID, he did with HIV. And, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't so want to get too I don't much know that into that. But AZT. it's like the same game plan and same yep. everything. And uh, so you go, what is, is, is it really to eliminate all deaths or, or is there other things? And I don't want to get too much into it, but I do think it, it kind of gets to why are they demonizing uh, oil? Why are they demonizing fossil fuels? It, we, we could be like, well, these people 
these scientists think that we're going to go extinct. Okay, I can understand that. But what about the people who fund all these studies over and over and over again? Why are why are they funding these stories? You know, it's a great example of, uh, you know, this artwork people that are just like throwing. The Just Stop Oil people? Yeah, just like throwing mm. macaroni and cheese on Van Gogh's and shit. <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God, I'm doing something. And Sponsored then you, by a billionaire. Not just a billionaire, but an oil billionaire. Yeah. So you yeah. go, why is this happening? Why is the person who like not just can benefit from food and technology that comes from oil, but directly benefits from dollar bill sales of her product, getting involved in that. What, what, and that's the question. And for me is like, what is the end? So you brought up the UN, you know, there, again, I don't want to get into any areas you might not be comfortable with, but for me, it's like, there seems to be a, a, a deeper agenda than money and power. Well, let, let, yeah, let's talk about it because I, I think it's, I have very definite ways of thinking about these things and I say there, I think there's something clearly wrong and I'm very sympathetic to people who think it's like a conspiracy and I want to give kind of an alternate way of thinking about it but that, that I think really explains a lot. We don't it, call them conspiracy anymore. We call them spoiler alerts. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> Is that right? So I think, I think it, it's helpful to, it's, I think the more you think of this I, I call it in the book, like it's really this view that human impact is bad. So I call it the anti-impact framework, but here I'll call it the anti-impact religion because I think it, it, it really captures it. So you just imagine that the leaders of a religion were very successful in spreading this religion. That our, and it has these two components, our it's wrong for us to impact nature, and then two is nature is gonna punish us. So it's gonna hurt us. So it's like, it's it's, it's it goes against the commandments and you're gonna go to hell if you do it. Like once this is spread, if, if everyone believes in this religion, it's going to lead to all of the things we're seeing. So let's take mm -hmm. the issue of studies. Like, if you believe that our impact is inevitably going to plunge us into hell, you are going to want to keep studying the ways in which our impact is going to plunge us into hell. And what happens when it doesn't? When you're wrong decade after decade. But if, you're, if your basic assumption that impact is self-destructive is not challenged, then you're going to keep expecting the next one. It's like you really believe in this fortune teller you really believe that they were like ordained by a deity, by a deity. Like, even if they're wrong, you're going to keep believing it. Like that keep, have you seen that keep sweet thing on Netflix? Uh, it was like a, like the extreme LDS thing. It was, um, it was like, I forget what it's called, but it was some like subset of LDS. But anyway, like what happened is they had this view. Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it was like a, it was a thing within it. It was like a kind of cult within, within it. Within it. Within. Yeah. We had, oh, I've the, seen it. I've seen it. The, the yeah. And we love the Mormons. They love this show. We love you. So, I mean. Yeah, I've seen everyone it. It's, it's crazy. So, yeah, yeah, no, it was definitely disavowed by most Mormons. And, and, but it was, anyways, this group. And what was, one thing that just struck me about that one of the heads of it was there was this view that this person will never die. Uh -huh. And everyone is told this person will never die. And you just think like, how is this gonna, he's obviously gonna <laughs> die, right? This is, a, all men are mortal. It's like the first, you know, first thing no, they you really learn believed in philosophy. This. It was but they like, like really, yeah. really believed it. Like he was and in then, jail and they were freaking the fuck out. And then, well, I think that was actually a later guy who was in jail, which is interesting because his replacement, who's also supposed to never die. Yeah. But the first guy, like he just dies. 
<laughs> and then they just change it. They just change like the whole narrative of it. And That's it's what's this, Oh, he's reborn through this other guy. That wasn't what you were told in the first place. You were told like this guy is going to be around who has 69 wives or whatever. Like this guy is going to be around forever. He's going to be your husband. And it's like, oh, no, wait, his son, one of his sons. And you just think there's because they haven't changed their basic assumptions about how the world works, including that the, whatever these leaders are the source of truth. And so as long as we have this view that impact the earth is this delicate nurture and our impact ruins it. Like that influences a lot. And the other thing is, is um, value wise. I think part of this idea that human impact is evil is it really takes our focus off what benefits us. And it actually makes us hostile to a lot of what benefits us. Cause if you think about if your main goal, like if you think impact is evil and that's the most, <laughs> you're bringing it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's if, the old man that wasn't supposed yeah, yeah, to die. Exactly. Exactly. So you, you like, our, our kind of we have this view that our impact is bad and our number one goal is to eliminate it. That's like guiding the earth. That's why everyone's focused on net zero. People aren't focused on global prosperity. They're talk to, talking about net zero. So part of that is it just takes your eye off human life. Like nobody is talking about billions of people without energy. They don't care about that. But the other thing is actually, I talk about this in chapter three, actually makes you hostile to human life because human life involves impact. Right, you hear all these people say, "What's going to What's going to happen if China and India become rich?" And it's like, "Well, I think that would be good," but they're like, "No, no, that would be terrible for the planet." And so we we have this this value system where we actually have hostility toward the impact that benefits our life. And so when you have this a, a false assumption, you have basically have a false assumption, a false anti-human assumption, and then an anti-human value of getting rid of our impact. Like my view is that philosophy slash religion has just permeated. And I actually think the real conspiracy uh, or spoiler alert, spoiler alert <laughs> is, uh, is really that the 50 years ago is the, the people who wanted their ideas spread them in the educational system. So they spread this religion throughout the educational system as science. And so it's just common sense for people. Of course, we shouldn't impact. Of mm. course, look mm. at what the corporations do. The corporations always do uh, uncontroversial things. Every ho freaking hotel is telling you be green. Everyone is telling you green, that's great. Green means eliminate your impact. And everyone is telling you sustainability. That means our impact is unsustainable, so we have to stop impact. So this, these religious dogmas have penetrated everything. And so I think the real conspiracy is the people who spread them. But then also, once this religion is spread, there are people who will capitalize on it. And that's, I think, a lot of what you observe like with yeah, the UN and stuff. For sure. Yeah, yeah, they they see this. And in general, people who want power are always looking for ideas that justify power. That's why a lot of people like Would COVID. you say there's a depopulation angle to what you're talking about? Of course, about? but it's 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 what I'm saying is it's obvious. If human impact is bad, mm. then human population is bad. Like if uh, I was mm -hmm. use this example, but if if I said to you as Sam, like my philosophy in life is I think bear impact is evil and should be eliminated. Well, what do you think I want to do to the kill bear population? All, kill all the bears. Kill all the bears. But our leaders say human impact is evil and should be eliminated, and we don't think it means kill us. And that's why I think there's some very dark, dark energy to to this whole thing. But it also gets down to like, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the media right now, and it's super interesting. And I go, how much of this is real? How much of this really is impacting people? And I go, if you go down to Skid Row, how soon will you hear somebody? How long would it take for you to hear somebody to complain about pronouns? <laughs> like, how long do you think it will take for somebody to complain about climate change 
on Skid Row? <laughs> That's a good question. So what I what I get into is this: is that who are the people really concerned about climate change? It tends to be middle to much upper class children, the children of the wealth, because let's face it. Their, their fight and flight and their need for your basic needs to be taken care of, which is food, shelter, clothing, are all taken care of. Mm-hmm. And we have this kind of thing, and it's, there's no, I have no science behind what I'm saying, just my basic feel is that you have to have something to fight for. And climate change is something you can fight forever because there's no real goalpost. Like, there, how do you know if you won climate change? That's, like, where's the scoreboard going? Touchdown or that's anything the only, like that. That's the only negative thing I have to say about fossil fuels is that fossil fuels has enabled these rich kids to grow up with nothing to do but worry about pronouns. But that, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's true, man. But it's fossil part fuels' of the, fault. It's part of the tragedy. There's a lot of interesting stuff. There's a part of the tragedy of – this is true of civilization in general. Like, one of the challenges of civilization – is that it insulates you from kind of the state of nature. And so the job of civilization is you always need to educate people about every step so that you don't take it for granted. What happens Mm -hmm. is when you have bad education, you treat civilization as natural. And so that's what's happening with these kids. They think it's natural. Like I use an example when I was a student in college uh, because I think about food. Like you think about in nature, how long does it take to get food? Like a long time, and yeah. sometimes you spend all your time and like build shelter. And I was at I was at um, I was at Duke in North Carolina, and uh, I was on a meal plan, and I ran out of money. I spent it all, and I didn't have much income, and I didn't want to ask my parents for any more money. So I like tried to live as cheaply as possible, and so I just lived on lentils and tuna, which is like the cheapest way you could have any kind of amount of protein. And I forget it was like something like twenty dollars a week. And you just think about even at the time I could probably make twenty dollars an hour, so I could spend one hour and feed myself for a week. Like that is totally magical. That's a totally unnatural thing to spend one hour (laughs) and feed yourself for a week. Like that's almost the Garden of Eden, right? In terms of your, maybe it doesn't taste as good as it supposedly did in the Garden of Eden, but it's- Salt and pepper. (laughs) Yeah, that's very cheap, that's even cheaper, right? So it's it's just, but, but the thing is we're not taught that we live in this miraculous world and, 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 large part because of energy, because we we have machines that do work for us, and those are produced using a lot of energy, and they're powered using energy. Like, if you don't learn, and that energy almost all comes from fossil fuels, because if it didn't, the energy would be way more expensive and less accessible and less reliable. But if you don't learn that, you take all the benefits of fossil fuels for granted, and then you're looking for, well, what else can I focus on? And to your point about people needing purpose, which I, I, that's how I would interpret what you're saying, is they're like, oh, well, let's get rid of the side effects of it. It would be like you, you learn, you don't know that there used to be polio. You don't know that there's this polio vaccine and sanitation and stuff. So all you focus on is what are the negative side effects of the polio vaccine? Like You're going to kill a lot of people. And, and, and it would be insane if you thought there was a group of young people, their whole purpose is to oppose the polio vaccine because of its side effects. But that's basically like fossil fuels is a poverty vaccine, right? And, and we have a whole group of people who are trying to get rid of the thing that keeps them out of poverty. And, but wow. there's ignorance. Wow, that's a great way to Well, put it. you know, I mean, it's like the greatest example of what you're talking about is these, like, summits all over the world where these rich people get together mm-hmm. and discuss how they're going to stop climate change mm-hmm. after they arrive in their private jet. And they all take a private jet there. They all have their own private jet. Right, but it makes, it makes sense. So one of the things I, I, I like to stress is, like, I agree that this is dark stuff, but I think the dark stuff is just in the open. 
I think it's just you take, like as a philosopher, I just take people's ideas seriously. So if they say human impact is bad, I take that seriously, like the bear impact point, right? And so if you think about why are they flying private jets, I th actually think it makes total sense. What's the, But it's dark. What's their reasoning? What do you think their reasoning is for the private jet? Have you ever heard them give it? No. What I would assume it? it's an efficiency thing. Is that right? Yeah. Or they don't like being with other people. Yeah. It's, an it's an efficiency thing or a security thing, but it basically means what they're saying is this climate conference is really, really important. <laughs> and so I need to uh, get there. But what does that mean? And how did they say well, we're going to offset it? But the, like John Kerry is this example, right? You know, this, this, uh, he was secretary of state. Now yeah. he's called our climate envoy. And he says, like, look, this is the only way for me to fight climate change as efficiently as possible. But basically what he's saying is <laughs> it makes sense because all the emissions from his jet will be offset by all the people he makes poor. <laughs> but that's the logic. No, that's really what it is. It's I'm going to stop. I'm going to cause these emissions, but I'm going to stop more. But stopping more means preventing people from using machines, which means making them poor. And it, it which really means killing them prematurely and certainly wow. killing them. So it really means... I'm going to kill enough people that it'll cause way yeah. doing That's class warfare. I mean, what you just described is class warfare. 100%. It is a class warfare. It's always been class warfare. When, you know, you have, uh, who's the prince? You have King Charles. Who's his oldest son, William? Yeah. He's like, there's too many people on the planet. And he has like four kids, yeah. right? I mean, it's like, like, what are you Does talking about? I think it's two, but I'm not. No, it's like two or three, right? I think it's four. I think he has four. Oh, maybe three. I don't know. I, I, I have a real pet peeve about royal Americans being interested in three. royal family. I agree. Three. I, I find. Uh, I agree. Anyway. All right, real quick, let's tell you about our new sponsor, Dave. That's right. With the holidays around the corner, you might be wondering how you're going to be able to make ends meet and shower your loved ones with gifts. Dave can help get you out of a pinch so you can enjoy the holiday season, okay? Dave is the banking app that could help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. With Dave, there's no interest, late fees, or credit checks. There, That's more money to buy those late mint gifts or catch up on bills without having to wait for your next check. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. Okay? Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch and you need some extra help, download Dave and think of it as a helping hand from future you. Download the Dave app from the app store right now or go to dave.com. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. There's this guy, PJ O'Rourke. I don't know if you ever heard of this yeah, commentator. He died a few years ago. But the first thing I ever read that was reasonable on environmental stuff when I was 16, and, and I always remember this. He had this book called All the Trouble in the World about all these environmental scares. And the, the title of chapter two is maybe the best title I've ever heard. And it was Overpopulation, colon, just enough of me, way too much of you. <laughs> he was he was the best. That guy was brilliant. That's a great job. That's them. That's their whole philosophy. The, the elites, the class war. Yeah, one hundred percent. So so, you know, let's get into some of the notes you sent me. But you know, so uh, we have this thing with fracking, 
and people are talking a lot about fracking and the effects on the environment. And a big thing they're talking about is water. Uh, is it affecting water? Is and now what are your thoughts on that? Natural gas, methane. Who was that Jackson girl that was under uh, Obama in your book? Something Lisa, Jack- Jackson? Lisa Jackson said there's there's been no uh, health risk or oh no the water there's been nothing well, to okay, prove. Well, okay. Well, what about Dakota Pipeline? I mean, I remember hearing that back in what maybe well, five years ago, and they were saying that the water was going to get polluted and all this shit with the fracking. Right. That's what we're saying. Yeah, is that, well, is that, did that never happen? It's a diff- that's a, well, that's, that's oil from fracking, so it's a little bit of a different issue. But So I'll, t- so I'll talk about these details, but I just want to put it in the context of how many people ever ask about the benefits of fossil fuels to water quality? Because those are, in fact, enormous. Because how so? Because... The only reason we have accessible, clean, cheap drinking water is because we use a lot of energy to change the very bad natural state of water, whereas drinking water is usually distant and it's dirty naturally, right? So it's far away, so you need to pump it. That takes a lot of energy. And then you need to purify it. That takes a lot of energy. And I just want to point out to people, like, we we act like nature. It's, it's again, this fallacy that nature is this delicate nurturer and we ruin it. People think like, oh, there's Evian and Perrier just coming out of the ground everywhere until evil fracking ruins. Whereas it's actually, no, no, no. The number one source, you know what the number one source of contamination of water is according to the U.S. Geological Survey? Nature. Like, by far. It's nature. Air shitting and all that stuff. Like, well, that there's what you mean? just a lot it's of like stuff. I mean, that. it's just nature didn't insulate us. It, it's not like it didn't just insulate us a, a supply of universal clean drinking water. That's why it's an achievement, right? Our ancestors didn't have that in many, many cases. So when you when you think of clean drinking water, the first thing to think is, hey, fracking, actual fracking and oil and gas and coal, like they made our water incredibly clean and safe. And then the question is, are some uses or abuses of that endangering it? So I'm just really objecting to this idea that you act like oil and gas and coal are bad for water when they actually make water clean in the first place. Well, there Preach. there is uh, within like the hermetic principles that it is the uh, the principle of dualism, which everything has light and everything has dark, everything has yin and everything has yang. So in one instance, you're you're totally right. There is a lot of impact that. Uh, oil and fossil fuels has on the delivery of clean water. But is there an impact on fracking? Yeah, that's what there? I was about to talk about. But it is one more thing for context is how often do you hear people ask about the impacts of solar and wind materials on water? Yeah. Because right? you can, solar and wind involve a lot of materials, actually a lot more materials in many ways than oil and gas do. So there's a huge amount of mining that goes involved, that is involved and that can contaminate water. And then even like, where do you dispose of the stuff? And the the chemicals from solar panels can leach into the water if you dispose of them improperly. So I just wanna show people there's a bias in this. And so if you look at one of the things with fracking in water, so people might think, oh, you're avoiding this, but it's it's the opposite as you indicated, because think what is the number one way that something will negatively affect groundwater, it's that it is close to groundwater. But the way fracking works is it takes place a mile or more usually below groundwater, and it's hard to get to. That's why you have to drill. That's why it's like actually hard to get that deep. And so this is why you don't have these instances of fracking actually contaminating. So the thing that overwhelmingly happens is there is natural contamination of water, and then people blame it on fracking because they want to sue people. 
Um, so it's just really this manufactured thing. And the reason they focused on fracking is not that fracking poses any unique danger to groundwater. In fact, less than conventional oil drilling, but because it's new. And when people want to oppose industry, they generally oppose things that sound new because it's easier to get some people to oppose things that seem new than things they're familiar with. So this is just a total fraud to act like a oh, fracking presents a danger. And then pipelines is another example. Um, I mean, pipelines are like the greatest thing ever for clean water because pipelines are by far the best way of transporting something with less damage. Think about if you're if you're if you're carrying water around and you don't want to spill any water. If you don't want to spill any liquid, but just think of it as water. Are you gonna just dump it in the back of a truck, mm -hmm. just the bed of a truck? Or are you gonna put it in a train? Or are you gonna put it in a pipe? Like we put it in a pipe. So the more hazardous the liquid is, the more it benefits from being in a pipe. And part of it is you have these very large pipelines and they can detect when there are leaks. And so just the amount of spillage you have is tiny compared to what would happen if you did anything else. Now, you can say, is there more spillage from a pipeline than if we did absolutely nothing and used no chemicals or no materials? Of course. But then we would all die for lack of the Water. good chemical. And this is, again, where we ignore the benefits and we only pay attention to the negative. So both of these are good for the water quality if you look at the full picture. There is something about how they highlight the animals that covered in oil and all that stuff. And it's very interesting because it's like, I, like I said the other day on Twitter, it's just like anything that's in the news all the time, you should question mm -hmm. who does it benefit. Like with this mental, everything's mental health now all the time. Well, who's that benefit? Pharmaceutical companies who get everybody hooked on pharmaceuticals. Regardless of if there is some good intention what? at the longer, at the farthest level, there is over-medication in this country. We are over-medicating people on everything all the time. I mean, one, one, one question I like to think about with these things, I would like to think about how can people who don't know all the facts, because I can say, well, I studied this for 15 years, but there's a lot of ways you can spot BS even if you don't know all the facts. And one question to ask, I think, is if they really cared about what they say they care about, what else would they talk about? So with, with like, oh, you see an oil-soaked bird after an oil spill, is this person talking about wind turbines killing birds, which are much more much more efficient way of killing birds than this? Or one example that's even more salient, I think, is when you have heat waves, right? Because in the summer, you have heat waves, and this is the climate catastrophist's favorite time of year. And one oh, thing is they wouldn't is be so Christmas? they wouldn't be so <laughs> they wouldn't be so gleeful if they really but then you look at like they claim they they claim well I just care about saving human lives from the scourge of heat right <laughs> okay but do they mention that air condition do they do they have a real concern for more air conditioning because that's really what protects us but even more do they mention the fact that far more people die from cold than from heat because why would you care about heat related deaths but not cold related deaths. And then do they talk about all the other benefits of fossil fuels, including cooling us and heating us? And if they don't, then they're just using heat-related death as an opportunity to advance their agenda. They don't care about the heat-related death. It's just a means to an end. And so much of people claiming to care about things is just posturing to, or like flooding is another example. They're like, I'm so upset about this flood. And my solution is, don't allow people to use cheap energy. But wait, how are they going to protect themselves from floods if they don't have cheap energy to build up sturdy infrastructure? So they're like, oh, I'm so upset about the flood in Pakistan, and so I'm going to tell Pakistan don't use any fossil fuels. Like, that makes no sense. It only makes sense if your goal is to advance your anti-fossil fuel agenda. So almost all the claims to care about human life, and therefore I oppose fossil fuels, 
uh, are not really concerned about human life. They're just a vehicle to oppose fossil fuels. Because if if the people said, the reason I oppose fossil fuels, I think our impact is bad and we shouldn't impact the world and there should be far fewer of us, very few people are signing up for that movement. So what they have to say is, no, fossil fuels are ruining the world. But again, they ignore all the benefits. So they don't really care about harming the world. They just, they know we care about harming the world. And so they're trying to exploit us. Yes, of course. And you, it's so interesting because like, if, if, if climate change was real, and by the way, they, they, they pivoted off of uh, um, uh, global, global, global warming. warming to climate change because, uh, you know, it would snow in Arizona and people like, well, where's your, your, your global warming now? It's snowing in Arizona. So there you should, you know, and, I, and people, really smart people like Bill Maher. Would be like mocking that. Oh, because well, it snowed in a warm place. He's got some more progress to make on this issue, though. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. well, he's well, getting that, better at a lot of issues, yeah, but he's yeah. uh, he really is. He, um, but one thing about the climate thing is, so I think it's very important to separate climate change and climate catastrophe. Climate change is a super vague term, so I don't use it. But I'll talk about climate impact. So I do believe we impact climate. We increase the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere. That's a warming gas and a fertilizing gas. So you'd expect it to make the Earth somewhat warmer and somewhat greener. And I think both of those are true, although the greener is more e is easier to prove. Um, but that's totally different than it's catastrophe. And that's what I really challenge. I think that if you believe that it's catastrophe, unless you have really good evidence that I haven't seen, it's because you think impact is bad. So you always assume it'll be catastrophe. What about the oceans? They say that the oceans change Oh, that's my favorite thing. Wait, wait, oh, the oceans two, are two rising. Well, that's my favorite. Well, but of course, but uh, yeah, they, so they are rising, but there's a question of how fast. So first of all, they were rising before we did anything. And they were rising, even if you search like sea level on Wikipedia, they should still have it where it, you see that our ancestors, it was like this and us, it's like this. And it's in chapter nine of the book as well. And it's, it's so the question, we have incredibly, incredibly slow sea level rise. But I do believe we've made it slightly less slow by warming, because if, if we've influenced warming, then that causes the ocean to expand somewhat. But so many of these things are about precision. Do you people act like some change means enormous change? And so like an example is, do you know how just any of you can guess? I guess some of you have read the book, but like based on the media, how fast would you think the sea level is rising right now per century? What would uh, be your guess? About a mile. Yeah, <laughs> <really>. <laughs> a mile. What would you think? Yeah. Based feet, on the media. A couple feet. Really? That's it? And that's uh, that seems, because that would seem like a... Somewhere that between a mile and a couple feet. Yeah, okay. So I think, so it's actually currently at one foot a century. And then the very extreme projections are three feet a century. But Al Gore's movie, he portrays, he talks about 20 feet and he makes it seem yeah. That puts Florida under, right? Well, I was in Miami 20 years ago, and I remember going, oh, this city's gone. They're building. They're, it, it's gone. It's going to be underwater. I'm going to enjoy the Latinas <laughs> while you can, because this thing's going to get People flooded. People don't seem to be avoiding it, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, there's all these famous pictures of, like, Plymouth Rock from a, a hundred years ago versus today. Exact same sea level for the most part. Uh, I uh, The um, uh, Statue of Liberty... You look at the uh, sea levels, pretty much the same. Well, there's a lot of low. So one thing with sea levels I talk about in chapter nine is they're not a global. There's global and local variables. Oh, so really? Yeah, it's a huge thing, right? So you can 
if you build like you can build on a land mass and that can actually cause the mass mm. to sink. Oh, right. Shit. Or yeah. Or what you have with some of these islands, like because they're um, in Dubai. Yeah. They're made out of sand. Well, yeah, you can make islands. But even if you take some of the places like the Maldives, which is uh, when I was getting started in this, like, oh, the Maldives is going to be gone by now. And you know, they build new airports and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> oh, should I take my honeymoon here? Um, but part of it is some of these islands, like they're different forms of what's called accretion, like different things can build up the island. So even if the sea level rises, the island doesn't go, go up. But what happens is people have this there's just almost no understanding of how the world works because we have this false idea, again, that it's this delicate nurture of planet and our impact ruins it. And that's kind of the beginning and the end. So we th if we think, oh, if we impact it, the sea levels are going to rise and it's going to ruin everything versus the truth is sea levels are going to rise some and have risen some, but the most important factors will be local. So one thing you'll notice in, uh, in chapter nine is that some of the, if you look at sea level, like in certain places, it's been going down. In certain places, it's been flat. In certain places, it's going up, and the reason is because it's overwhelmingly local. So when you when people will pick areas like Miami, that it's that there's more of a rise, but they're they're cherry picking those to make it seem like oh this is the global trend. If if there's any significant sea level trend, it's most today it's mostly a local trend because the global rise has been very low. And it, it's impacted by basically local events, right? Means. Somebody built something yeah, yeah. or... Local factors. I mean, even like the water. I mean, the ocean is really weird in terms of like you can have these pockets that are a little higher and stuff. But the point is those are not in your... Well, the building is in your control. But the other thing that, that people need to recognize is human beings are really good at living even below sea level. So 100 million people today live below sea level at high tide. And people prosper there. Like the Netherlands, you have places that are, you know, meter or more three feet or more below sea level. So if you're thinking about it in a humanistic way, you're not afraid of slow rises in sea level. That's just not something you would be afraid of. But it's, it's, we're so in, in, enmeshed in this anti-impact religion that we just we assume that, oh, it's going to be the end. And I, I've, it's funny. I, I'm always super impressed when I talk to a scientist or, or somebody who's smart, who's, um, who's not a catastrophist, but who doesn't study the issue. Like occasionally, it only happens once every couple of years, but I'll run into some smart person and I'll kind of expect them to, to have all these catastrophic views. But occasionally it'll happen. I, I won't say names because I don't want to get the people in trouble. But like, like one of the most famous scientists in the world I got to meet a few years ago. And he's not on this issue, but he's like, he's like, yeah, Tyson. I was telling him my issue. What? Tyson. <laughs> no, no, not him. He needs a lot of reform. No, yeah, he does. He's got the anti-impact religion totally. Yeah, I guarantee I it's not him. Um, but anyway, I was talking to this guy and he said, um, and I told him about my views and I was expecting resistance. He's like, yeah, of course. Like we build, we deal with sea levels. Why would it be a problem? And then this other executive who had the same thing, he's like, yeah, we're really good beavers. Like why would there be a problem? And, and what's weird is that should be everyone's common sense. They're like, of course we can deal with this. We're human beings. The greatest contradiction here, my favorite, is Elon Musk, um, whom I like and dislike in a lot of ways, uh, both. And But his whole thing is human beings are going to terraform Mars and make it livable. And yet a lot of his car sales have been based on the idea he's promoted that two degrees Celsius change on Earth is going to make it on <laughs> So we can live on Mars, but we can't live on Earth if it changes two degrees. <laughs> no, you're totally right. And that gets into opportunist. I mean, like, again, we've talked about Elon Musk a lot on this show. I well, okay. I don't trust any billionaire, but I like what he's really? doing on Twitter. I mean, I do. So, I just, so do you think he's an opportunist? Do you really, you don't think he well, believes I mean, in Tesla the 2%? Tesla cars is like, 
But you don't think he believes in the climate change? You think he's just saying well, that well, for the money as being no, an opportunist? No, 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 no. So my, I tend to believe that people usually believe what they say to some extent. And then I think some of the opportunism is they'll they'll exaggerate it for effect. And I think also some people don't care that much about precision and what they believe. That's weird for him because he, he is a very precise guy in certain ways. Um, but the, I mean, the fact is, if you look at his stuff five, 10 years ago in particular, he's promoting a lot of climate apocalypse stuff. Now, what's interesting now is he's doing that a lot less. So he had a TED interview recently and he, he almost sounded like me where he said, um, which I'm not claiming to have influenced him. Last time I checked, he doesn't like me. He blocked me on Twitter really? years ago. <laughs> really? Well, I had this very popular article called the Tesla Model S is a very good fossil fuel car, <laughs> and he like that, which is true. I mean, I can't speak to it's. It's definitely a fossil fuel car, and I think it's a pretty good car, at least. But but he, um, I do think that he. I don't. I I think he believes a lot of this stuff, and I think, but. I don't think he's thought through consistently the Mars thing versus the Earth thing. And I think from his, he he does think there's something wrong. He has a very weird version of this religion. I mean, the, the long, the short version of it is because the, 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 the regular version of the religion is just human beings are kind of bad and it's wrong for us to impact things. And that's not him. Like he, he likes human beings. Yeah. He talks about it, right? He's like he has seven kids and yeah. think you ever needs more kids and stuff. So he's not anti-human, but he has this very weird kind of engineering religion where mm -hmm. he doesn't like things that are side effects. He doesn't like things that are outside our control. So he doesn't like the fact that we burn fossil fuels and it emits CO2 and some, and then also some pollution and we can't control that. And so kind of he goes to, well, we shouldn't be doing that. And my view is, but if overall using the fossil fuels is the best deal for human life, you should absolutely do that in the same way Well, the polio vaccine had side effects, but you should still use that. You can't say, oh, well, I wish there were a better vaccine that didn't have any side effects. Like you can innovate that. But if you get rid of a thing that's a net good, you are harming people. And I think that's his basic mistake is he he in his mind, he can conceive of a better way that does not work at any given point in time. And then he's sympathetic to, oh, let's get rid of the thing that works. And so that's, I think, his error. But he's he's kind of he's a very interesting guy. And I, I generally I have a lot of affinity for him. And I don't think of him as anti-human, but I do think he's been quite destructive in energy by taking these positions. I find it. I, I listen, man. You know, we we want somebody come in here and battle the tech giants, and you know, he's. We believe he's the richest man in the world. I, I think there's people who got money we don't really need to know, but you know, he's coming in there. He's trying to battle on Twitter. He seems to be. On the right side of that story. Well, except except if I mean he this is a contra this is my most controversial view. I, like he totally fucked the blue check system. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's 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 really interesting how um and I was just to say the blue check system was a very flawed system, but what it did allow people to do is it allowed people with blue checks to have a you know you have the the blue check tab where you can see hey what kinds of people with big followings what are they saying about my stuff and it it was a way to manage the flow of twitter which doesn't exist anymore because now it's people with 100,000 followers and people with 100 followers and it's all bunched together and the people with 100 followers say oh you're such an elitist why don't you want to see my thing it's like do you understand what do i have 130,000 followers 135,000 do you understand how many fucking notifications you get even at my level let alone people have 10 or 100 times more now musk is kind of a sociopath in this way no, that's the wrong word but he's like he just loves seeing this endless flow of notifications but 
it really, everyone I've talked to behind the scenes who has a blue check has just found the new thing completely insufferable. Well, like, you know, it's so funny when you were, you know, old, in old Twitter, you get excited when somebody would have, two people would follow you, blue check mark person or a hot check, right? <laughs> and they kind of had the same dop dopamine hit that you would get <laughs> right. when you'd see like a blue check mark. You're like, oh, somebody, quote unquote, important following me, you know? And now it's just like, oh, wow. Bone two two four seven just followed yeah. me, and which is fine. Like uh, it, it changes. Well, he's the, the only one with the blue sneeches, check mark, bro. It's, it changes. No, the, he has one. Well, I, one but it changes the dynamic so much. And the hot chick one is funny because when I got into the relationship with the woman I'm engaged to, I just noticed how much it affected my social media. It was like so weird. Like I never, I stopped posting on Facebook because it's like I don't care if an attractive woman follows me anymore. It's like, that's kind of what's happened to the blue check is like, you destroy these mechanisms. These are very powerful forces. I will say it made it impossible to attract free agency in sports. Uh, Cause it's just <laughs> everybody with a blue check mark is like, you know, the Braves just signed DeGrom. <laughs> and then, you know, I look and it's like Billy Joe from Boston. And, and the, I mean, the, the, the fake blue check accounts was one of the funniest things I've seen in recent, just where they, where they made like the Eli Lilly account yeah, that was and great. the Joe Biden account and the George, that's just an amazing. No, it is interesting. Uh, yeah. But I could see overall. I mean, I, I support a lot of what he's doing, and I think it's good to see these battles playing out. Where, in, in particular, insofar as he's going to talk about what Twitter's policy has been. Like, I'm not in favor of government controlling these platforms at all, but I do think it'd be good for them to be transparent. And it's very exciting that he's going to be telling, "Hey, what has Twitter done?" And I hope they're totally transparent because I am honestly a little bit worried about stuff with me personally, given his history with me. No, and he, I, he's not a totally non-vindictive guy. No, I get what you're saying there. You know, and I kind of earlier we talked about having a little bit of a government and Johnny's uh, super libertarian here. Uh, you know, we have a problem right now where it looks like Apple and Google possibly could kick Twitter out of their their uh, app store. Now, the Google question jumped on that Google jumped on that. Yeah, Google's been talking about it as wow. well. And so the question is, how do you... Because the App Store is a private company. That yeah. is their private company. And they are a victim of their success in that Apple, the phone, the iPhone, and their App Store has become, in a weird way, mainstream. Yeah, I mean, they created this thing out of nothing, and it's and it's, it's, it's amazingly so. If you're play. not on that app, you're you know, as someone who's been shadow banned all the time, I understand what happens when you're not allowed to compete uh, in the you know on in the main area, in the main street, you know, mm -hmm. in the in the in the world of ideas what's that right. called the business or the marketplace, marketplace of, of ideas. ideas right you're not allowed but it's to like it's like so so i have some familiarity with this space so i i have um kind of a as a, another project of mine so i have um along with a, a former guy who is high up at facebook and actually left facebook because of these content in part because of these content suppression policies i have a small platform called thoughtful which people can check out at, but let me we'll it's put not the link in thoughtful the community slash Alex is my invite link. But anyway, so thoughtful is not it's not a replacement for Twitter. So don't act like you're don't think you're going to go there and it's going to be like Twitter. <laughs> but the focus of thoughtful is actually it's a place that takes it's kind of like taking gold from the ocean. It's like the Internet is an ocean of junk content with some really good stuff. And thoughtful helps you find all the good stuff and put it in one place. But in any case, like I've thought a lot in making thoughtful about 
content policy. And when thinking about it, like one thing we have had from the beginning is we believe that these other platforms own their platforms 100%. So the way Brian, my co-founder, put it once is he's like, you know, Twitter is like somebody's living room. It's like the fact they have a really big living room and a really nice living room doesn't mean that you get to decide when you want to be in it. And the thing is, these guys have created these amazingly valuable things, and we can be very critical of them, but it is their thing. And part of what we want to see and what will happen is competitors will emerge. And I think one of the things we can do in the meantime, because it's hard for the competitors to be as good as the the main ones, but we can really, I think, encourage transparency. And I'm hoping that with Musk being transparent about Twitter, that'll lead to some more transparency about the others because there's a lot of stuff. Like I have people messaging me from these platforms very anonymously, so I won't say much about it, but the shit that goes on behind the scenes is crazy on my, be, on my yeah. issues. In terms of just like collaboration with government, some of this has come out publicly. Oh yeah, it's all coming out it's right now. It's just like, oh yeah, the government told us to say this. It's like, so then you become this quasi-government agency, which that becomes really scary because then it's not your living room. It's like, your living room, well, but it, the government the government's gun is held to the head of the guy. Yeah, it's a violation overseen. of First Amendment. That's yes, what they're exactly. Doing. And so that's it's if not the a government is going to, and that to me, if the you know, there's all the stuff that the government, Fauci, the NIH went to uh, NHI or N NIH went to Twitter and was telling them who to censor, how to censor, and all that stuff. That becomes a violation of the First Amendment. And that becomes, hate to tell everybody, uh, the definition of fascism, okay? So uh, that's very important. Now, the question is, here's my question, the only pushback I have to that, because they, we believe they are private entities, yes. right? They do they do pu get publicly traded for a while. I know Twitter isn't anymore. Well, publicly traded, yeah, but that's that's also supposed to be private entities. But, but what we also get into is there's talk about Google and YouTube getting CIA funding, investment money early on through uh, another uh, company called, I believe, Alphabet or another group like that, and they, which was like kind of like a shell company that the CIA used to invest. Then it becomes, is this tax money being used to help seed this thing? And now have we helped something grow to a point that now they've decided they don't need us anymore and they're shutting us out? That becomes an interesting topic to me. Like Amazon, Jeff, Be the story of Jeff Bezos is he worked his ass off in this thing to create this thing. Well, nobody also talks about how his grandfather founded DARPA, and that's like, and that's a giant, giant wing of the government which works on technologies. And you go, you know, it's like all everything gets shut down, but Amazon, Amazon Fresh stores, all this stuff during COVID. There's a lot going on with that. So then we go. Are these private entities or are they wings, uh, just another arm of the government that's being presented as a private yeah, entity? It, Those it, are real it, questions. It's one of these things that when you have, once you allow government coercion to infiltrate all these institutions, you have all of these irresolvable conflicts, right? Because there's a question, is it, if, if the government gave it all its money, like even Tesla, okay, the government gave them this big loan. So do the, and that comes from taxpayers. So do we sort of own Tesla? And then, and my view is you want to, in general, get the government out of this stuff. And in general, do not give them control of things that they give money to, because that is really dangerous. Because you use the word fascism, and that's a word I use a lot. And because it really means, it basically means um, fake ownership. 
right? Because the government says you own things, but it controls mm. everything. And so that's what you don't want. And th one of the big ways the government usurps things is it says, hey, we paid for some of it. Therefore, we get to control it. That's what they say with healthcare, right? Like, or in schools, like, hey, we're giving some money for education, so we get to decide what an education is. Healthcare, like, hey, we're helping support you, so you can't be a f you can't be fat, right? Because it's costing us money. So in general, I say the these are these are arguments for the government to get out of it, not for the government to get into these things. Even and more. we agree on that. We agree that there is a. We need less government. I, I totally, it's why I support food trucks, you know, because a lot of people get upset because food trucks get to operate without all the permits and the license and all that stuff. But I go, getting those permits and license is a fee of entry that not everybody can afford. So like, oh, and I've talked about some past episodes, Dave's Hot Chicken is a very, uh, a, a franchise everywhere, started by a a couple buddies of mine in a food truck and now they got 70 uh 70 locations all over the world i mean that would never have been able to happen if they if they didn't allow for food trucks to happen which allow for people with maybe not a lot of income to get into the space but going back to what we're talking about and what why i brought this up is like with apple looking to possibly kick twitter off their 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 app store is there a place where you have to have somebody bigger than the government that, I mean, bigger than the corporation, let's say Apple that could go, Hey man, you have to allow this guy to compete in this area because this has gotten, this marketplace has gotten so big. It's more than just a uh, private entity. So I think, no, uh, my short answer is no. I mean, that's, I don't believe in antitrust law. So, and I think it's, um, it's very, it's such an unlimited field for, kind of fascist exercise of power because what does it really mean so so what i do believe in is the government should not grant monopolies that's one thing so the uh, a, a government monopoly it's coercive monopoly that means there's one participant that the government gives a privilege to and then excludes everyone else from that privilege Sport, so, uh professional sports leagues is is like that well there's interesting question of that see for those they'll give it an antitrust exemption but i don't know the history of did they actually like how does that work I just don't think, but the one reason is, is this has happened actually with the UFC. We were talking in advance about jujitsu. Like you're getting all these attacks on the UFC of this is a monopoly, right? This is a monopoly. The government should break it up. And I just, I think this is such a bad thing because you take the UFC or the app store, like these are things that were created basically from nothing. And if you look at the UFC, I mean, they bought, you know, Dana White and Lorenzo Fertitta and Frank Fertitta bought this thing for $2 million when it was basically going to go bankrupt. They invested something like $45 million in it. And they had finally had this amazing success with that ultimate fighter show. And they sort of built it. And it's like now everyone's saying, oh, because you were so successful, we now own you. That's what a private monopoly is. It's just somebody who's successful where other people want the control associated with their success. And that just means it's really just punishing the successful arbitrarily. And whether it, like, why hasn't Facebook been attacked by the government? There's no reason. Because under a different antitrust administration, Facebook could have gotten broken up. And I don't think they should. They are should. the government. <laughs> no, well, no, no I, don't, I don't. So well, what's interesting is is a lot of the reason that- Life log. A lot of the reason we've had, like Apple could have gotten broken up in the same way Microsoft was attacked. It's totally arbitrary. Because if you say- if you say the government gets to go after private monopoly, which just means earned market share, it can go after anyone or no one. So I, I'm, I'm against it, but I do think that as consumers, you have to be aware 
when you're supporting something and you you invest everything in it, including the Apple infrastructure, which I'm very invested in, you just you need to be conscious. And if you make a mistake and you support something that has a lot of tendencies you don't like, you can either try to get them to change directly or you can encourage competitors. But it's hard to compete with Apple because they've created so much value. So I choose yeah, to use their stuff. But if they if they really got rid of Twitter, which by the way is different from not advertising on Twitter, Musk way different. Musk has yeah. said has implied that people not advertising on Twitter is a violation of free speech, which I don't know what he thinks free speech means, but me, I, the fact that I don't want to advertise on Twitter doesn't mean I'm yeah. violating his right to free speech. Yeah. Advertising is free speech. Yeah, well, it should it should be free speech, but it'll be really interesting if this happens because he is such a powerful voice, and Twitter is the leading intellectual platform in the world in terms of influence, uh, and he has a lot of means, and he's talked about even like I'll start a new phone, I'll start. A, so I kind of doubt that it pulling him off the App Store would be. That would be very, very dramatic, like in terms of what that meant about their views, because it's really saying, like, yeah. we think this is dangerous. Think about what Uber did. Inherently Uber dangerous. spied on people, and they didn't take them off the App Store when they spied on people. When, uh, TikTok is a giant Chinese government spying. That, that it's, that's a really interesting example, which I haven't studied, but that's but an example so of where, where like, you can – there's a wow, legitimate argument you... this shouldn't happen because because this is a foreign adversary. Um like those I'm very sympathetic to. I think the government needs to be much, much more vigilant. It has to have a real foreign policy where it looks at what are foreign governments trying to do to us. And I think in the business world, there's been a lot of stuff where just Chinese interests have been able to operate without any government involvement. I think that's wrong. Like if you you have to decide with I had um I, on my podcast, I do I do a podcast occasionally. I don't I just um, called Power Hour and um I was uh, talking to Senator Tom Cotton because he had a book and he was interested in having a conversation about it on the show. And we, we talked about this. So if people want to check it out, he has a lot of good stuff in his new book and, and on that podcast about it. But it's crazy. We have no policy toward China. Like we've got a place whose explicit goal is world domination by 2049. We have total dependency of our supply chain and they're building all sorts of weapons and we don't think about it at all. Yeah. I mean, no, well, that's we like what, are thinking that's about That's what it. a government Just should do. That's 100%, why we need a government. Which, uh, there's a lot going on. This is a conspiracy podcast, <laughs> and we've discussed this a lot. There's a lot going on. Foreign agents, lobbying, all this stuff that's happening. Like, the fact that there are known Chinese police stations in America. And if you think they're just monitoring the Chinese... I got I got swampland to sell you, okay? okay I don't, some of the a lot of these things I don't know about, so I yeah, can't. Uh, well, but there is crazy. a lot. Of, there's a lot of uh, doc infiltration that I've seen that is is for real. And Swindell, oh come on, bro, come on, bro. Diane Feinstein, she had a, she had a, her limo driver was a Chinese spy for twenty years. Uh, uh, what but about, but what they the basically emails. say, uh, listen, man, you know, if you watch uh, Lex Freeman's thing, he had this guy talking about all the different agencies, and he said the most powerful is the Chinese intelligence because any Chinese nationalist that is in uh in in, in any country is a spy. Mm. And they talk about that. And I've been to China. China's wonderful. The people are wonderful. Well, and right now there, I mean, we have some protesting and this is another thing where our corporations are so spineless. Like, I mean, there should be so much support of the protesters in Iran and in China and just. 
And here they're like, recruiting. They're recruiting uh, British Air Force people because uh, the Britons have no rules on you can't do that. So they're giving like twenty five, twenty seven thousand, two hundred seven thousand dollars. Come over here, teach our fucking Chinese people how to how to fly Air Force One since the British un- have British have no rules on that. Unbelievable, bro! It is just unbelievable, dude. It no really is unbelievable. But I want to get back to wrap it all up. Back to the fossil fuels. We've had Randall Carlson on here before. He's talked a lot about, you know, going through carbon dating. They could tell temperatures. And, you know, if, if I ask you what was, um, you might know this, but I ask you guys, without Googling, what is the, 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 the highest temperature ever recorded? What day did it happen? What, what do you what, what do you mean by year? temperature? What day? No, what day in time? Like air temperature, or what are we talking? Like? What What was the highest temperature, and what day in year? But I mean, did you mean like on the planet, like yeah, in the center of the Earth, like I, is that what we're no, talking? No, it no, it's recorded history. Yeah, recorded history. Sorry, thank you for saying smart things. Uh, in recorded history, one hundred thirty. No, you're looking at my thing. No, no, I'm not. But what day? Of oh. the, what day in history? I, I couldn't know. I, mean, okay. assume, it, I assume it was. I assume it's recent. Before the two thousand. Before the two thousand. I would assume it was, it's recent. It was a day in, uh, in nineteen thirteen. Right, it's Death Valley. Right, yeah. Death Valley, nineteen thirteen. If we were, if we were really on the precipice of 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 global warming, climate change, we would be tapping that thing all the time. I like that word. Isn't That's that what they scare us every time? Oh, new highs. New highs well, in that, LA. That, new highs in LA. New highs in LA. New so highs in LA ex- today. Right. Well, the, the, I had this thing with Bernie Sanders because he had this post. This really shows how bad the media are. Like, he had this post that said there was something that, like, the hottest July ever, or there's the hottest July. And he wrote, this means literally the hottest July in the history of this planet. And I'm like, wait a second. This is recorded history. This is not the history of this planet. If you look at the history of the planet, which you can see many places, including fossil future, like, there are times when it's 25 degrees Fahrenheit warmer on average. Like, uh-huh. there are eras. Like, it has been so much. We're at a relatively cold part of this planet's history. That was Bernie Sanders who said that? Yeah, he just, like, and I just wrote publicly, like, hey, won't you take this back? Why won't anyone call him out on this? And nobody nobody cares about that. Well, he also praised that, Venezuela as the model that we should be. Right, <laughs> right well, that's yeah. that's another thing he doesn't get called on. Enough. So, so with the yeah, it's it sh- but what we should. I do believe we're having a warming trend, and actually we're having a warming trend before we did anything. So we should. When you hear like hottest day or whatever, or hottest year, that shouldn't be surprising because it's just you're taking a tiny window of history and you're in a warming period. It would just be like it's kind of like you're gaining weight, but you know you're gaining one ounce a year. It's like oh, it's my fattest year ever. Yeah. Okay, but are you <laughs> obese? Yeah. Right. There's just a huge. So, again, we need precision when thinking about this. And the people trying to scare us are both ignoring the benefits of fossil fuels. And then they're being very sloppy about any negatives because they want us to think, oh, it's the end of the world versus, oh, this is just another change that we can deal with fairly easily. It's beyond interesting, man. It's just why are they doing it and why are the same people on the same side of every argument? But why not? Why not just my explanation is. The, the religion has penetrated the culture and then opportunists opportunists and people who really embrace the anti-humanity of the religion, they, you know, they're sort of driving it. And there's a lot of opportunists, right? Once you have this situation, there's people whose industry depends on it. There's people whose funding depends on it. There's people whose power depends on it. There's millions and millions of people, literally, whose lives would be very disrupted 
if I were right. And if you think about like Al Gore, yeah, like just think about psychologically, like if I'm right, Al Gore has the world would be a much better place had he never been born. <laughs> think about that. That's like literally true. Like he's been a huge negative yeah. for the world. So that's a hard thing to admit. Like I think you should be willing to do that, but so th- people are so invested in it. But I, I do really think it's this anti-human impact religion, and yes. then all the opportunism and and power lost and planning sort of is in that environment. Have you um, have you ever looked into like Club of Rome? Oh I, yeah, and and their what what. They've talked about, and there's YouTube videos of speeches they've given, and what climate change and global warming and what all that impact is, and then your thoughts on carbon footprints and social credit score. Like that, that's a very dark, 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 dark uh, road to go down. And do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so you see this a lot right now with. I mean, Club of Rome has was historically very influential. They're still around. I mean, the World Economic Forum is kind of the big one right now, like Klaus Schwab, that guy. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the there was the most prominent thing with the, the carbon credit thing. I mean, what, what you see is if you believe that human impact ruins the world, it makes it unlivable, that kind of justifies a totalitarianism. And, and particularly with CO2, if you think CO2 ruins the world, everything we do emits CO2. And so people who really like power love this idea because it means we're constantly sinning to an unknown degree. So we need everyone as a sinner who needs to be monitored with a large degree of precision and then controlled. And it's like, oh, well, your cheeseburger went over your allotment or this trip went over your allotment or you get you get a private jet because you're trying to lower others. So it has this it's a justification for totalitarianism. So I think it's. It's dangerous both because the premise is wrong that this be, that using fossil fuels is bad because it's actually overall good, but then the totalitarian way of dealing with it. Like even if you thought fossil fuels had all these problems, you should be scared of any totalitarianism because that is that is going to make life worse. I mean, it's going to make my life much much worse. And so the people who love it, those are people I. Those are people to be scared of who are. Excited I don't think they about. really understand what they're talking. But the about. leaders, some of the leaders do. Like yeah, they, okay, they, yeah. they they are like because because they really view people as like a bad animal. That's really the view, like vermin or something like that. Yeah, they really Th- that's, do. That's the view. Cattle. And yeah, and so you think of it, and it's again, it's the mentality behind just enough of me, way too much of you. It's like the <laughs> you are. This is this is a lot of what happens with racism and other things is you dehumanize, like you dehumanize a large percentage of other people. And this kind of anti-impact movement, what happens is the leaders dehumanize basically everyone, but particularly everyone who wants a better life. And then they think of themselves as, I am somehow, for some unspecified reason, I'm a, usually it's expertise, like I'm an expert. So I'm going to control all these non-experts. But it's, they really embrace that. And that's a really scary thing when you have people who think, I have a right, I have a right to have totalitarian control over everyone else because I'm an expert and I know what's best for them. And if, if they're free... It's going to ruin the planet. And we've really, uh, you know, if you read like Behold the Pale Horse, uh, they talked a lot about, you know, these these documents they've seen where people like we want to make people emotional, like really emotional. Political correctness is like more emotional, 
less logic, right? More emotional reaction to certain words, not like trying to understand their context. And that's kind of what we're starting to see right here. And we also see the flip-flopping on issues, my body, my choice, only when it comes to, uh, you know, right to choose versus the right to choose a vaccine. We see that happen all the time, right? It's, and this is kind of the flip-flop that's going on that even when presented with it, like you kind of said with the cult, and the, the guy's never supposed to die, dies, they still continue with it because there's an ego involved of people would rather be right then do right. And what do right is, is to admit you were wrong. And that nobody wants to do that. There, you know, you see it in, 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 in elections, especially in Los Angeles, uh, people voting against their own best interest, <laughs> you know, helping the homeless. Uh, they vote against that. They vote against getting new, new, new people in to try to change it. And I'm not pro, uh, I'm, uh, I'm anti the people who've been in power for a while, uh, and have effed it up. Let's try to give other people, but they don't care about that because they see R's, they see D's, and that's all that matters. The D's are always right, or the R's are always right, and they vote that that way, regardless of what it is. And we're we're starting to see that a lot, man. And then the uh, these think tanks with these slogans: trust the science, science denier. Like they just have worked all the data, and they know what words will get you. Oh, you want? Oh, I'm not a science denier. Science is the it's science. It's this new religion, right? They just totally believe in this new religion, and just you look at how they defended Bill Gates. Bill Gates wants to wants to cut down CO two and block out the sun. I think that's important to oxygen and making well, oxygen. I don't, well, I don't think of that idea is as imp if if you believe in a certain danger level of CO two and warming that I don't believe in. One plausible way to explore is to you can put particles up in the air kind of like a volcano does, but with less impact on humans. And so you can you can sort of slightly dilute the sun. That is a plausible thing. I don't think it's I don't agree with him that there's a catastrophe at all. So I don't think. But um, anyway, I, I just want to take issue with that particular thing. But it's it's um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Well, so the the um, in terms of these slogans and stuff, one one resource I would recommend to people is I created a website called energytalkingpoints.com. And one of the goals there was to give people on the side of the truth very compact ways of making points. So I do believe and this is when I if people check out my Twitter at Alex Epstein, I post a lot of threads like I'm a big believer in. Um, yeah, if you just do energytalkingpoints.com, it'll come up and. Uh, Anyway, the goal is to is to give people the power of concise slogans, so you can search any term you want, uh, or you can you can type in your email, but you can search in any term. And the idea is to give to use the power of concision, but with the truth. So, because because if you if you just allow the people with false ideas to be concise, it's bad news. So part of I have like one of the things is energy Q and A, and it's like, are you a climate denier? And it's like, no, I'm a climate thinker. Like, I like having responses for everything. Mm. Well, there's two kinds of science. There's a science with the dollar sign, and then there's the science that's not paid for, right? And science with the capital S. Yeah. yeah. So there's yeah. the religion element. And, and mm. I talk about this like chapter one, which I think people can get online. It's, it's really important. There's always a distinction between what, what science, like what an actual researcher thinks. I mean, there's what's true, what a researcher thinks, what somebody synthesizing the researcher thinks the research says, what a newspaper disseminating that to us thinks, 
and then what a politician deciding what to do about it thinks. And often we get people say, oh, follow the science. And that really means follow what the politician mm. who's interpreting things thinks we should do. But even if they were right about the science, which is rare for a politician, that doesn't change. That doesn't determine what we should do. So let's say the science is there's a dangerous new virus. That doesn't determine we should lock everyone down. Doesn't determine we should prioritize it at all costs. So people often take their own value judgments that are very poorly thought through, and then they call them the science. And so that's one thing I really caution against is is that equation. And so whenever anyone says like, Fo follow the science, do my action, you know they're screwing with you. Uh, what about cow farts and CO two? What about is it? that is that going to be is that going to be the death of us? Do we need or, to go plant based? Or is uh, my boy Joe Rogan, <laughs> who I love, is worried about cow burps? Yeah, my bad. Well, so it's, it's both. He's very yeah. worried about cow burps. So it's it's methane in both cases, right? So it's CH four. So it's um, the main greenhouse gas that affects warming is called CO two, so carbon dioxide, and then methane is CH four, so carbon and four hydrogens, and so it's basically yeah. So that's what's coming from the cows. Mm -hmm. Uh, it comes from other things too. Like it's what natural gas is. So if natural gas leaks from the ground, then it'll be that. And basically it's less significant overall uh, given the amount of it than CO2 is. And I don't think CO2 is significant enough to restrict fossil fuels. So I don't think methane is significant enough, but it, it is a warming gas. One of the big differences is it doesn't last in the atmosphere nearly as long as CO2. One of the things about CO2 that makes it build up is it lasts a long time. So you, unlike, you know, you, you like emit smoke or something like that, like the smoke clears and it's done. So you can emit smoke every day, but you don't get a buildup of smoke. Whereas with CO2, you get a buildup because it adds a lot more quickly than it clears. But my view is just these are, they have effects, but they're not catastrophic effects. And there are positives and negatives. You hear that, Joe? Or more world. <laughs> no, Joe's great. I mean, I, I buy, yeah, he it, buys into all this climate stuff, though. He's, he's had some better guests on. He had this guy, Steve Coonan. Mm. on who wrote a book called Unsettled, um, physicist who was in the Obama administration, actually. And he, Steve, I think he mentioned, yeah, I think he actually mentioned Moral Case for Fossil Fuels on mm. on Joe's show. And then That's he, where I heard about your book. I was trying to figure out where oh, I got wow. it. Oh, wow. And then, exactly and then, um, and then uh, he had on, Michael Schellenberger has been on, and he's sort of a thinker on this issue. And then he had a guy named Bjorn Lomborg who's sort of thinking the same way. So he's getting exposed to better uh, to better thinking and it's yeah. time to get exposed to the best. Yeah, I would love that because I think you'd be great on there. Yes. Um, so I, I want to end it on this. Uh, this show is a conspiracy show, but we always talk about how conspiracy leads to spirituality. Mm -hmm. And do you see any spiritual components to this? You enter depopulation and stuff like that. It, within your research, is there room for that maybe there's something deeper going on, that it's not just about, uh, you know, concern about uh, the, the population growth or concern about power, concern about money, but... Do you think this is a manufactured climate Well, I, I, don't, I thought you were going to go in a different hold direction on, hold on, hold with on. the spiritual things. So no, need... like, so for me, it's like, well, for me, it's like when you, when you go, when I ask you, it's, it's depopulation, do you think this has a depopulation agenda? And you go, yeah. For me... I think it's open. I think it's an open. I think it's pocket. open, but I think that part is open. Mm -hmm. 
because it fits into like we're trying to save the planet. We gotta get you know when Bill Gates in his fucking sweater. Doesn't matter what month it is, he's in a sweater and he's like got these weird like punching Judy arms <laughs> with these with and you still see his his chichis. It's very weird, but and he's like if, if the vaccine works correctly, we're gonna you know we'll the lower population. the population by fifteen percent. And then you you get into and, and you. If you don't see it, that's fine too. But then you get into that, you know, um, that, you know, when they talk about uh, human impact along with bear impact, they want to lower it. Is there something else to it? Because I think there is. But what, what like, what kind of thing would it be? Because I, I don't know what you mean by spiritual. I think dark. Of, like forces? D- yeah. But that are separate from the minds? That is of the like, I mean, like, we're getting into like, old religious prophecy and stuff like that but so like there's there's so because i think of i'm talking about the fallen angels bro are we like okay, is no, there so no, no, i don't believe in that in that kind of stuff so i think it's i mean i think the dark forces are just anti-human ideas in people's minds like for me where that's do they come from though what's that where do they come well from, but the though? interesting thing about anti-human ideas is part of them come from ignorance historically because it's actually really hard to know what's good, what's true and what's good for humans. Like if you look at just, you take the climate, like the whole climate catastrophe thing has a lot in parallel with primitives who believe in weather gods, right? It's like, you don't, you the weather is scary. It changes a lot. You don't know what's going on. And so you think, well, it must be us. And so if I do this dance, it's going to be good. And if I do this other thing, it's going to be bad. So we got to burn this person and maybe they'll be less angry at us. And that's kind of what's happening now. But, right? It's like there was a bad flood and it must be us and we have to repent. But part of it is like before you have science, you don't understand how the world works. And its scientific method is very, very recent. And even there's a lot of things we still don't understand with that. So one thing is you can do anti-human things just by being wrong about cause and effect. Like mm. the people who were bloodletting, say, a George Washington <laughs> or something – that was anti-him. It wasn't anti-human in goal, but it was anti-human in effect. So that's a lot of things is people just don't know what's going to be true. And then it's possible for uh, it's possible for people to have anti-human assumptions about the world. So I mentioned this, this idea impact is self-destructive. Like if you believe that, then you face this challenge because even if you want to be pro-human, you think, well, if, if we're f- – if we benefit ourselves, it's going to ruin everything. That's kind of the narrative, right? If we use this oil, we're going to run out. If we eat this food, we're going to starve. Like you, you have, so it's, it has this, so then you kind of do these draconian things because you think it's the only way of protecting ourselves. And then some people also, and I think this is more common than people think, is they just, it's possible to have an anti-human idea and you really know it's anti-human. And one reason people have anti-human ideas is because it makes them feel superior to others. So I think a lot of people like this idea. I think there's a lot that, of that. That anti people like the idea that impact is bad. Like a lot of these protesters, I don't know if you've seen the footage. I've been I've worn this I love fossil fuel shirt in New York City at like mm. with 300,000 people. If you search Alex Epstein people's climate that. march, you can see I have a sign and stuff. So I've been around tens of thousands of these protesters and they're like they're really not the healthiest people psychologically for the most part. Of course. Shocking. Physically too, I'd say. Yeah, physically in a lot of ways. But but you can see like part of what they, they like the idea that all these successful rich people are bad. Because mm-hmm. if impact is bad, all these successful wealthy people are bad. And that makes you superior. Just like the idea of the 1% being bad mm. makes people who don't achieve. I think there's superior. a lot of those guys that, you know, at this, this uh, protest you were at, 
that in deep down side hate their fathers and they this represents <laughs> capitalism represents their dad it, it and they want to push back against it, that. It, it could. So so what I'm saying is these are all reasons why people these are all just scientific this worldly reasons yeah. why. So I don't I don't believe in forces. Do you believe in secret societies. This is where we're diving into the murky waters. That, well, uh, I believe that they can exist, but then I don't know about them if they're secret. That's your next book, dude. Secret societies and their effect the secret on fossil fuels. Secret societies I don't fuel. know about. Secret <laughs> societies and their effect on fossil fuels. One more, <laughs> dude. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I've been wanting yeah. to do the show for a while, and it was an excellent episode. Great to great to and meet all I, you guys. Hopefully, we'll we'll sell a ton of books for you, so people can do. Yeah, it. and I got books for you guys if you want. Thank them, you, so thank I you. I have yours at home. I know you so have you one. Get, yeah, yeah, we got three others. Yeah, yeah. Here. And, and then the home. dog. Somebody can read it. The dog <laughs> loves to read. Pony boy. The dog is conspiracy theorist. Thinks the limo driver shot JFK. Um, <laughs> so one more time, can you tell us uh, where we can find all your stuff? I know you mentioned sure, a couple sure, sure, websites. Sure. No, I, uh, look, that's that's the favorite question if you're a guest of a show. So I appreciate it. So um, the book is Fossil Future, so people can get it at fossilfuture.com. You can any way you want to get it, you can get it there. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Alex Epstein as long as Elon uh, allows me there. We'll see how long. We'll fight for you, <laughs> we'll, bro. Thank you. We'll see how long that lasts. He's for free speech, bro. And then the website that I think people should really check out is called energytalkingpoints.com. And you can also sign up for my newsletter. But that has that's kind of like all my work for free in very easy to use form. So highly recommend checking that out. Well, I appreciate that, Alex. Thanks for coming on. Tino, can you tell them where they can find you? Tino, uh, Tino Sanchez, Tino Bomaye. Uh, Bomaye. Um, Oh my A, you know, from the Ali documentary. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for having me, guys. Just uh, make sure I get all the links and I'll include it. Uh, guys, real quick, what's your social media so they can find it? XG Marks the Spot on all social media. XG Marks the Spot. I'm at Johnny Woodard on Twitter, at Johnny A. Woodard on Instagram. Uh, Sam Tripoli on Instagram and uh, official Sam Tripoli. I'm hoping Elon will give me back Sam Tripoli. Even though I, I won't have any followers, I would love to have but official Sam Tripoli. And you can get everything at uh, linktree.com slash Sam Tripoli or samtripoli.com. Get all those. Uh, as of this moment, there is 18 tickets left for Fresno. So go grab your tickets to the first show. 18 tickets. You can go there or you can go uh, buy a combo and get to both of them. Uh, YouTube. I mean. Uh, Eddie Bravo. That's yeah. Yeah, me and well, Eddie. I'm into jujitsu, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, we go on the he's road. A big figure there. Oh, he's the best. He's jujitsu Jesus, bro. And uh, we do uh, Swarm Tank is all, got 50 tickets left, so go check that out. But uh, uh, December 2nd, we're in Calusa, California, Calusa Casino, and then Fresno is selling out. So grab your tickets there. Uh, SamTriplee.com. Everything you need. SamTriplee.com. Uh, we loved you. Hope you enjoyed all the shows this weekend. They've been nothing but bangers. We love you very much, Swarm. Thank you so much for listening to us, and we will talk talk to you. Oh, real quick, last thing. All you guys are sending me the stuff from Spotify that Tim Fall has in your top five uh, that you've listened to uh, for 2022. I cannot thank you enough. Uh, I There was a time nobody listened to me, and now that we got this big following, it is beyond a blessing. I take it very serious. We give you the best shows, and we love you very much, and uh, we, we wouldn't be able to do this without you. We just talk to yourself, so we love you very much. Take care, and thanks for listening to the show. Bye. We go deep, homeboy. Aaron, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude.
You just blew my mind. Tim foil hat. Tim foil hat. Tim foil.